A note for those of you listening to the recorded sermon. As you listen, you'll hear that I refer to a recording of a song that I play during the sermon. Due to copyright restrictions, we can't include the song in this podcast, but it's easily found online, and I'd encourage you to search for it and listen to it. The song is called Canticle of the Turning by Rory Cooney, and the recording I played is from the album called Safety Harbor. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. So when I was a kid, on Christmas morning, my parents would make my brother and my sister and me wait at the top of the stairs for a ridiculously long time before they would let us come downstairs to see what Santa had brought us. I recognize now that that ridiculously long time was probably about the amount of time it took them to brush their teeth and make a pot of coffee, but that's another story. All we knew at that time was that something was about to happen, that the thing that we had been waiting for for weeks, if not months, was finally here. Something was about to change, and we couldn't wait. That feeling of being on the edge of something, that anticipation of something being about to change. It's something we all know well, right? Maybe it happens when a new school year starts in the fall or when the calendar rolls over to a new year in January. Maybe it's as a graduation comes around or a move approaches or the birth of a child draws near. Maybe it's just as we've been watching one more candle being lit every Sunday during Advent, and finally those four flames tell us that Christmas is almost here. Something is about to to change, and we're excited. That same feeling, the excitement that something is about to change, that feeling runs all through our Gospel reading this morning. In this account of Mary's visit to her cousin Elizabeth, we find two women, both pregnant when they had no business being pregnant, both expecting children who were God-sent. And some of the things that they say to each other in this passage are familiar to many of us. There's Elizabeth's, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And of course, there's Mary's, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. They may be familiar words, but let's not allow their familiarity to dim the urgency and the significance that they carry. Elizabeth and Mary both know that the change that is coming is far more than just the change of their becoming mothers for the first time. They know somehow that the children that they bear will be part of things changing. In fact, of everything changing. Mary's words especially show us that she isn't just the meek, quiet figure in the nativity scene that we so often think of her as. 
Mary's words show us that she knows that by saying yes to God, by agreeing to be the mother of Jesus, she is now part of God's saving work in the world. She is now part of the work that God will do to turn everything about the world as she knows it upside down. And in that way, the Magnificat, which is the term we often use for this song that Mary sings, the Magnificat is radical, it's revolutionary even. And to help us grasp that, that revolutionariness, a little bit better, I want to play for you a song that's an adaptation of the Magnificat. It's called Canticle of the Turning. Um, you got the lyrics on a separate sheet when you came in. And I think it can help us to understand what Mary understood. That something, actually everything, was about to change. So let's listen. If you're anything like me, that song will be stuck in your head for the next week. <laughs> but it's a good one. My heart shall sing of the day you bring. Let the fires of your justice burn. Wipe away all tears, for the dawn draws near, and the world is about to turn. That's the message of the Magnificat. And really, it's the message of Advent. The world is about to turn. As Mary awaited Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, the world was about to turn. And as we await Jesus' second coming in glory, the world, again, is about to turn. But what does that mean? What does a turned or a turning world look like? And is it something that we should get excited about? Is it good news? Well, I think it depends. Whether a turning world sounds like good news depends. It depends on who we are, or maybe more accurately, on how we are. For some, the announcement of a turning world could not be better news. And for others, it couldn't be worse. So let's look and see what Mary tells us about who will receive the message of a turning world as good news and who will not. So to begin with, Mary herself clearly receives this message of a turning world as good news. She says, my soul magnifies or praises the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Or as the Canticle of the Turning puts it, my soul cries out with a joyful shout that the God of my heart is great, and my spirit sings of the wondrous things that you bring to the ones who wait. Clearly, Mary finds it very good news that the world is about to turn. And so understanding who Mary is will put us on our way to understanding who will find, who else will find a turning world to be good news. So in verse 48 of Luke 1, Mary describes herself as a servant of humble estate. And we should not be deceived by the prettiness of the language there. 
The Greek word that's translated here as humble estate can also be translated as low or lowly state or even humiliation. Mary is making no attempt to hide the fact that in her society and culture, in the place and in the time where she lives, she is a nobody. She is somebody who is looked down on or ignored. Because of her socioeconomic status, probably. Certainly because she is a woman. And now especially because she is unmarried and pregnant. Mary is someone who lives in a world where every day she confronts the challenges and the pain that come with being poor and shamed and outcast. So it is no surprise that she welcomes the news of a world that is about to change. But Mary's rejoicing isn't just for herself. As her song goes on, and especially in verses 50 to 53, she rejoices for everybody for whom this news of a turning world will be good news. So in verse 50, she says, God's mercy is for those who fear him. People who fear God are people who recognize that God is God and they are not. They are the people who accept their creatureliness, who accept their dependence on God, and they are the ones who experience God's mercy. In verse 52, Mary says, God has exalted those of humble estate. Again, God raises up the people who are low, who are humiliated. And Mary knows that the God who lifted her up will lift up others like her as well. In verse 53, she says, God has filled the hungry with good things. Or as the canticle puts it, the hungry poor shall weep no more for the food they can never earn. There are tables spread, every mouth be fed, for the world is about to turn. Those who are hungry rejoice for a turning world, but not just because it means that they'll be fed. They rejoice because they know that they were never going to be able or allowed to provide for themselves the food that they needed in the first place. They know that without a turning world, they would be hopeless. And so for them, the news of a turning world is great news. And finally, in verse 54, Mary says, God has helped his servant Israel. Of course, back earlier in the song, Mary had described herself as God's servant. And here again, she proclaims that in a turning world, God helps Israel his servant Israel. The idea, I think, is that God's help comes to those who recognize and who embrace their status as God's servants. If we're intent on not being servants, if we think we're too important for that, then we're not going to want or to be able to receive God's help. Canticle puts it this way, To those who would for you yearn, you will show your might, for the world is about to turn. 
A turning world is good news for those who know their need for God. So the picture that Mary paints is very clear. Are you a nobody in society? Are you someone who is always overlooked or ignored or discriminated against? Are you poor? Are you hungry and there's nothing you can do to be able to feed yourself? Are you someone who has to keep yearning for God because you know that there is nothing in life that's going to give you hope? If that's you, then the news of a world that is about to turn is very, very good news indeed. Which means, of course, that there are people for whom a turning world turns out to be not very good news at all. So let's look at Mary's words again and see who those people are. In verse 51, she says, God has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. That phrase, the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, it's a little awkward, but the idea is clear. If you in your own mind think that you are pretty important, then what's going to happen to you? You're going to end up scattered. And what really could be worse? Because if your worth comes from feeling important and you're scattered, you're sent away from other people, you're isolated, then you're going to have nobody to compare yourself to. You will have no one to feel more important than. For you, a turning world won't be any fun at all. And then in verse 52, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones. Talk about a revolution, literally. As a Jew in Palestine, Mary was living under Roman occupation. The Roman emperor was declared to be divine. So the Jews who insisted that Yahweh was the only God, they were always fundamentally at odds with that occupying power. And here is Mary, a young Jewish woman, who's declaring that God will bring the mighty, even Caesar, down from their thrones. It's not just first century Roman rulers, though, who ought to be put on their guard by Mary's words. Anyone who has or who seeks power, politically, militarily, financially, socially, should feel unsettled by this proclamation of a world that's about to turn. That's what I think the canticle captures so well when it says, from the halls of power to the fortress tower, not a stone will be left on stone. Let the king beware, for your justice tears every tyrant from his throne. There are lots of thrones in our world, and not just the ones that national rulers sit on. Even some of us spend a lot of time or energy wanting to find our way onto some kind of throne, some kind of position of power or influence, no matter how big or small the context may be. And for those who sit on thrones or want to, the news of a turning world sounds far from good. 
And finally, in verse 53, Mary says, The rich God has sent away empty. This is, of course, the second half of the verse that says, He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. So while those in need receive abundance, those who have abundance walk away with nothing. Mary's declaration calls to mind Jesus' words in Luke 6. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. It kind of makes you wonder how much of Jesus' ethics he learned from his mom. But in any case, it's clear for those who already have plenty the news of a turning world isn't likely to be met with much welcome. So again, Mary has painted a clear picture. Are you among the have-nots or the haves? Do you think in the privacy of your own mind that you're kind of important? Do you pursue having some kind of power in whatever your sphere may be? Do you enjoy plenty and abundance, not just compared with the wealthy of our country, but in comparison with most of the world? Do any of those, if you're really honest, describe you? Then chances are you're not going to find the announcement of a turning world to be very good news at all. The great Russian author Alexander Solzhenitsyn famously wrote, the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. So for each of us, there are parts of ourselves that hear the promise of a turning world and find it to be good news, and there are other parts of ourselves that don't. That line between good and evil, between good news hearers and non-good news hearers, that line cuts through us all. So when we are sick or in pain or someone we love is, then we will relish the announcement of a turning world. When we're grieving or heartbroken or disillusioned or disappointed, will rejoice at the idea of a turning world. When our jobs are taken away or our bank accounts run out or the medical bills are just too high, we'll find that the world cannot turn soon enough. And when we just flat come to the end of ourselves, when all of our hard work and all of our smarts and all of our everything just can't satisfy that gnawing emptiness inside of us that we don't want to admit is there. When we come to the end of ourselves, then we will cling with whatever we've got left to the promise of a world that is about to turn. But... When we think we've still got what it takes to make our lives work the way we want them to. When we think that if we can just get the right promotion or the sufficient bank balance or the deserved recognition that finally we'll be satisfied. When we pursue our own comfort without regard for the people who are exploited or the creation that is damaged in order to make those comforts. 
well, then we probably don't want to hear much of anything about a world that's about to turn because we're still figuring out how to come out on top of the world that already is. That's just reality. It's just the truth of how things are, of how we are. That line between good and evil runs right through our own hearts. And on our own, we can't change that. We can't will ourselves into being people for whom a turning world is entirely good news. We can't, of our own power, shift where in our hearts that line between good and evil lies. But God can. If we let him, if we invite him to do that work in us, if we admit to God that while we want to be people who welcome a turning world, we know that there are many ways that we aren't. God can change that if we let him. It may, may not be easy. In fact, it probably won't. Because becoming people who welcome the news of a turning world means being willing to move from being among the haves to being among the have-nots. It means being willing to shift from being self-sufficient to being God-dependent. It means willing, being willing to renounce power and privilege and embracing lowliness and need. And those are not easy changes to make. But they are changes that God will empower us to make. And I think that in the beautiful logic of the kingdom of God, those changes in us are often assisted by our willingness to engage in the work of world-turning on behalf of others. By inviting Mary to be the mother of Jesus, God was inviting her to be part of Jesus' world-turning work. And God invites us to be part of that work, too even while we wait for the day that Jesus will return and bring the world's turning to completion. Each of us, no matter who or where in life we are, we have with our time or our prayers or our resources, we have the ability to join in God's work of turning the world. Each of us, can contribute to a world where people aren't decimated by poverty and hunger and disease, and where those who have plenty are eager to share with those who don't. Each of us can contribute to a world where the dignity and value of every person made in the image of God is respected, and where those who oppress and exploit God's image bearers are brought to justice. Each of us can contribute to a world where all acknowledge themselves as God's servants, who are dependent on God's love and mercy, and where those who refuse to admit their dependence and put themselves above others would be brought down. Each of us can contribute through our time or our prayers or our resources to a world that is turning. And as we do so, we can join with Mary as she declares, My heart shall sing of the day that you bring. Let the fires of your justice burn. 
Wipe away all tears, for the dawn draws near, and the world is about to turn. Amen.